I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Doctor Is In. It's been a while since I did an episode, but we've kind of turned this into like a semi-regular kind of feature-length thing. It just sort of comes out when it's ready, you know? It's like a podcast of requirement. I'm Paul Verhoeven, your host, and this week on The Doctor Is In, obviously it's only a few days until Doctor Who Flux begins the end of Jodie Whittaker's journey as the Doctor, and she has a new companion. His name's Dan, that's basically all we know about the guy, but he's played by the incredibly amiable and critically acclaimed comedian John Bishop. So here's what happened. I hopped on the phone, I mean an actual old school phone, with John, and we had the most incredible chat. So I'm going to play it for you now. So without further ado, John Bishop. John, how you doing? Good morning, how are you? I'm, I'm good, man, I'm good. I, uh, look, I, I guess we should probably just jump straight into it, if that's okay. You're a comedian, and there's a proud tradition of comedians rocking up on Who and just absolutely nailing their roles. What is it that you learn as a comedian that you think equips you for turning out such complex performances? Because I honestly think that comedians might give better dramatic performances than like straight dramatic actors at this point. Well, first of all, you better say it first. You might change your mind after you see me. <laughs> 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 um, I think there's something about, uh, about comedians and, and acting that a few people kind of abuse comedians before. And I don't know whether it's that honesty that you've got to have inside of you as a comedian, which can come out as an actor. That's mm. a useful, uh, useful facet. Um, but I think for this role, particularly for Dr. Who, it's the fact that it's basically a little bit bonkers. And so you've got to be able to you've got to be able to see the world from a slightly different view to be able to embrace it because it is without any shadow of a doubt crazy. You know, you, you find yourself having to embrace the fact that your character within, within a short space of time is living a life that you can't explain to anybody. Um, and you end up live, you end up as a, actor having to portray a situation where your your character is in a life and death situation facing something that is out of their completely out of their experience out of their range but you've got to manage to somehow get through it put all your faith in the doctor and find something funny about it I don't know whether that's something to do with it. I don't know, but it it is. If I was to look at a, a typical day on Doctor Who, hmm. you're turning up and you're doing you're doing, I suppose, a storyline that is a an intimate friendship relationship with with Yaz. 
So you've got a storyline like that. You've then got to save your, your own skin or save your friend's skin or you've got to have faith in the doctor that she knows what's going on. You've then got to save the world or the universe or participate in that. And then and then you've got to have a, a cup of tea with somebody who looks like a giant dog in between. <laughs> or, you know, and, and it's like, this is just bonkers. <laughs> particularly, particularly when you start with the actors wearing all the prosthetics, you sort of sat there thinking, how, how am I accepting this is normal? And, I, and the, the problem is I've not been able to talk about Doctor Who within the stand-up set because I'm on tour at the moment. Mm. I've not been able to talk about it until it goes out, and I, I can't. I can't wait because then it will be that that filter of comedy. Uh, seeing Doctor Who through the filter of comedy, I think will become more apparent to me. But even right now, I don't know what to say about it because it's just oh. it's just crazy. Ah, oh, that's crazy. I'm sitting here going like. Because you are really, I mean, I, I've done, I've dabbled in comedy. I do a couple of comedy festivals and I do these nights where, you know, you're in a lineup of stand-ups and the worst place for me to get put was last because I felt this intense pressure of not only do I have to nail it, but also everyone's exhausted by this point and they've kind of seen yeah. all this other comedy through the night. Are you feeling that way as basically the last companion to be added to the show of this era of the show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like being a plumber in a porn film. <laughs> you know, you know, because you don't really want a plumber. Um, yeah, we've, we've seen all we want. It's, um, I suppose, it, it, yeah, there is that bit where you're the last on the bill. But also, you know what? I, I, what's gone before in terms of uh, Jody's journey and with mm. Tozen and Bradley, it, it feels to me that... that that my character, this, this is obviously going to be uh, a a reference to Bradley because we've you know we've both done stand up comedy. We're not massively massively different in age, and you know uh, I suppose we're both white middle aged straight men being the companion of the doctor. I suppose there's all of those things that are an, an easy com- comparison, mm. but the reality is. Dan's character is massively different, and and I and I think I you know I can only experience Doctor Who from the year that I I've had on it, and um, I think that it, it it's a completely different storyline. The fact that the the series is spread over one narrative uh, helps. So I think it's a very very different experience. It's not like as you say coming on last. It's not like you know when you when you're on on a stand-up bill and there's been mm. something on the news like you know the prime minister fell over and every act goes on and goes. Did you see that thing about the prime minister falling over? And your best joke is about the prime minister falling over. And you think, oh my yeah. god, I've now got. Am I going to go on and say it? It's not like that. It just feels very very different. Yeah. So if you came on and had to do a plot line about your, you know, grandson being unable to ride a bike, you'd be screwed. But the fact is, Dan, <laughs> yeah. he's completely different. Yeah. I mean, God, if, dude, if I watch yeah. episode one and that happens, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's well, what's the trailer? And I, you know, I don't think there's ever been as vague a character reveal as as Dan's. I mean, like, so what can you tell me about this character without giving anything away? Like, who is Dan? Um, well, Dan at the start is not the same as Dan at the end. Uh, Dan, 
he's lost um, in terms of his his world. He's he, you know, he, he he's unlucky in love. He's not very successful within his job. He's a nice, kind man. He works at a local charity, um, and he gets and he and he's lost all his self confidence and self worth, um, and. He he goes on this journey with the doctor, and at the end of it, he, you know, he he values himself and significantly more, and he values the life that he's got and and the, the opportunities in front of him more than he does at the beginning. Um, you know, he's not he's not somebody who um, really has a better option than going on the on on the trip with. With the with the doctor in Yas, because you know when the doctor says to him, "Do you want to come?" It's a fairly easy decision because it, it's taking him somewhere, but it's a huge decision in many respects. Because I think if there's a backstory to him, he's not been anywhere or done anything, mm. and you know to reach that stage in his life to suddenly suddenly embrace the madness of going going with two women into a little box. <laughs> it's a, it's a big it's a big step for him. Yeah, I mean, would you if you got the call at this point? You know, if the, if you heard the TARDIS in real life and it opened up and they said drop everything, would you have? You think you'd have too many attachments to be able to go, or do you think you could just take a punt and and fly off to adventure? Oh, um, we've just got a new puppy. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I've got three kids and you know, I've been married for 28 years. They come into it as well. But we have just got a new puppy and that'd be hard to leave. It'd be hard to leave Stanley. <laughs> oh, God, that's adorable. No, because the, the TARDIS is already... Pr- I mean, they've got <laughs> robot dogs. There's no reason they couldn't whack a puppy in there. Like, it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about, uh, you know, the relationship with Yaz and the, doc- uh, and the Doctor, and it seems like the core thing that this show really carries through well, especially lately, is, you know, that idea of friendship. Like, you know, you are friends with the Doctor, and it is about a bunch of friends flying around, being good to each other. Are you a good friend in real life? Are you someone that your mates can rely on in a crisis? Oh, yeah, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think so. I mean, you'd have to ask me mates, um, uh, but... I I've I've still got like I've got a WhatsApp group uh, and I'm scared sometimes to look at it because there's 17 of us on it I think and uh, we're all we've all been friends for at least 30 years um, but the problem is that I'm scared to look at it is because we all kind of met when we were at university we all met when we were like 18 or 19 mm. and on that WhatsApp group we're still 18 or 19. So it's everybody just just taking the mess out of each other constantly. And so if mm. you look at it, there'll be like a hundred messages a day of just going like you're fat, no you're fat, no you're bald. It's just all that stuff. And but it, it's that core core group of people uh, that I, I was friends with before I even stepped onto stage to do stand up comedy or entered this world. And they're, they're very much my bedrock. Um, yeah, I, I I think there's one of the big things for me in life is the um, 
is the weight of loneliness that a lot of people feel in the world because they, you know they're just not connecting with somebody, and it's it's such such a hard thing uh, in my mind because it's it's so easily cured. Loneliness is cured by talking to somebody, just having mm. one person you can talk to, and and I feel very very blessed that I've got more than that. Is that why you get up on stage and make people laugh? Do you think? If I was a psychologist, maybe there's there's you know, <laughs> something within that bit where you go, yeah, you know, because we've been through lockdown as you as you have, um, and all of a sudden being told the thing that you do, you're not allowed to do anymore. Mm. And I was looked very very lucky because it meant that I could do Doctor Who. But now that I'm back on tour, I realise that. You know, being on stage is a two-way relationship, and you know if you've done it. If you say mm. something, and as soon as you say it, a room full of people all laugh at the same time. It's so joyful, and it's it's you know you you receive so much from it. It's 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 wonderful. But you did. I mean, when you do Doctor Who, right? You've you've done it. It's it's wrapped. It's all done, and now you have to wait yeah. months. You, like, is that does that blow your mind as as a comedian to as an actor? have to just wait and oh. sit there and then not know what people no, are doing. Mate, nightmare. Absolute <laughs> nightmare. Because again, as a comedian, comedy is the most instant form of communication that there is. When mm. you say something, people laugh or they don't. Nobody thinks about laughing. No one goes <laughs> home and goes, actually, that was funny. Yeah, My I dad does. Straight away, <laughs> and, and I went straight on to Doctor Who because my tour was cancelled, the opportunity was still there, so I went through the whole rehearsal process, managed to get the part, turned up on the first day on set. We did the first scene on the TARDIS. I delivered my first lines, and he went, OK, let's move on. And I thought, I'm got whoa, where's the applause? <laughs> I've, just, <laughs> I've just done something. <laughs> why, is, why is everyone just now moving the camera around? I've just done something. Doesn't don't people clap now? Isn't it? Uh-huh. Because it's you're kind of used to that. And then yeah, you do stuff. And it's it, it, the same with this. This sorry, particularly with this series where the narrative continues. It's it's sometimes a little bit hard to remember what the actual. You know, I can't wait to see the first episode because I can't remember where that starts and where that ends within the filming days because it was months right. ago and right. we've obviously had to go back and refilm a few bits uh, so it's it's been uh, yeah it has it has been a little bit strange doing something and then waiting for almost a year to watch it do you ever try and get the uh, the crew to crack during a take do you ever see if you can make them break because those people are they are industry professionals who are not messing around. If you can get a camera operator to laugh, have you ever managed this? Um, well, we had w- one thing where... Because the big thing for me is, like, I didn't want... What I didn't want is people to see Dan on the screen and go, oh, that's John Bishop, because every time yeah. Yeah. Dan comes on the screen, he tries to say something funny. So, you know, I, sp- I spoke with Chris Chibnall about Dan and said, you know, I don't want him to be too overtly comic as a mm. character because it'll just lose he'll lose all his reason for being there. But obviously, as I say, 
Have you seen any of the episodes? No, no, I haven't. I haven't. Well, the first episode, and I can say this because they've, they've put it out on social media and stuff. The first episode, I, you know, I'm with a carbonista, who's a huge dog, you know, six foot four dog, and uh, and we 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 spent a few days, and uh, Craig, who plays carbonista, we're on his spaceship and we're talking and. And, and and all the crews there, and then I just got out a big plastic bag, and I went, "Oh, Craig, for God's sake!" And then pretended to pick up some poop from behind him <laughs> <laughs> in a big doggy bag, and I, oh, come on, what a way! So uh, and they keep yeah, it in. People. Yeah, I don't know whether that'll stay in. <laughs> oh man, no, that's now that's what I'm going to be watching for. I think I'm going to be waiting for the basically for the poo joke. Yeah. So thank you for. Yep, absolutely. Look, just quickly, just finally, what what is um what's scarier for you? Absolutely bombing on stage or Daleks? Oh Daleks. Because stage stage life began when I was thirty five. That's when I did my first ever open spot walking on a stage. Daleks came into my life when I was about seven. So yeah. I've been scared of them a lot longer. Yeah. You know, that is that that's a that's a visceral thing though. Yeah, so that that that's when your plastic bag comes into play. I think, um, <laughs> John. Thank you for absolutely making my bloody night. It was a real pleasure, and um, well done on the show in advance. I'm sure it's going to be great. I can't wait to see it. Lovely, thanks, bro. Look, if that didn't get you excited about John's stint on Doctor Who, I don't know what will. I'm just I'm so excited to see how it pans out. And like I said, there's only a few days left until Doctor Who Flux airs. Unless you're listening to this way later, in which case. How was it? Good? I cannot hear you reply. That's not how podcasts work. Now, next week on the show, yes, I know, two weeks in a row, I've got a very, very special guest. I've got one of the doctors on the show. I'll be talking with the sixth doctor, Colin Baker, and he'll be talking about the incredible new Big Fittish audio drama, which he's actually in, which was written by Russell T. Davies back in the 80s. It's going to be spectacular, so make sure you keep your eyes glued to your podcast feed. Hope you're all having a fantastic time, and I hope you're enjoying Doctor Who, and I'll see you next time for more of The Doctor Is In. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.